everyone, welcome to Urbonus Podcast. My name is Donatas Urbonas, and uh, this is my colleague Ritis Vishnauskas. Finally, we are here. We were setting up for this podcast for more than three hours, I guess, right? I think so. I believe uh, you told me, first of all, we scheduled for uh, 1 p.m., then you mm. told me we're going to start at 2 p.m., and now it's uh, half past four. So yeah. it took some time, but we had some quality discussions, I would say, prior to the podcast, so... About maybe some maybe sex tapes, yeah. also some video ideas and stuff. Maybe it's for the better. I don't know. We'll see. Of course. We'll see how it goes. Of course. Yeah. So you for for the intro, you wanted to uh, talk about your return to the court, right? <laughs> yeah. Like Lamarcus Aldrich coming back from re- retirement. Yeah, really, I wanted to share my uh, horrible experience of playing basketball just last week uh, uh, because we had this... Uh, party for Basket News office opening in Vilnius and um, we joined to play a proper game of basketball. Four five on five, full court. Five on five, full court, four quarters with stats and um, I haven't played full court basketball for I believe like six years since my third ACL injury so I just stepped up on the court completely out of shape and it was a disaster ball i would say there were two teams uh, full of players out of shape maybe two guys were ready to play actually and uh, both teams were standing in a zone for 40 minutes and i wouldn't say defending in a zone just standing, standing in a zone so taking we, a position of so we zone. ended up taking 52 free pointers something like utah jazz against the miami heat um 10 of those were successful, so it's 19%. Combined, right? Yeah, 19%. One of our guys took 21 long, he dis- was long distance jumpers. Free, free, free okay. to be more precise. Um, for me personally, I, I cannot say I was disappointed with myself because uh, knowing that I am completely out of shape and I'm prepared to, to play full-court basketball, I lasted almost 30 minutes on the court. Three uh, from 13 shooting, two from 10 three-pointers, only one turnover, five rebounds. Decent performance knowing my physical abilities at the moment. And we ended up winning the game. So I, I, I should say I'm, I'm pretty happy. And I think we should do it again sometime you f- later. You really think so? And I, I would like you to join us as well to show us your skills because you're like a mystery man. Nobody knows what, what, what you can do on a court. I want to keep that mystery, you know, because right. when, when there is a mystery, you, you might right. think that that guy might be good, you know, so <laughs> I will well, keep least, that mystery for a while. At least you look sharp. I mean, you <laughs> suited look... Suited for you, the game of basketball. You look like someone who is taking care of himself yeah. because personally, um, I'm not on a strict diet, let's say let's say this way. Me neither, my friend. Uh, and the only sporting activity I've been doing recently for the last couple of years, I would say, is some, some goalkeeping. Goalkeeping. Yeah. Sounds yeah. exciting. Because of my knee, because of my ACL situation, I don't want to take any risks, so I decided to change my profile to a goalkeeper but now i'm trying to play some basketball again so let's hope let's hope uh, my knees will take the load <laughs> and before receiving uh, comments uh, in our youtube channel we have to make a you have to make a clarification for yes, your haircut for sure i mean uh, yes i read the comments yes i saw that the people already are demanding for me to get a haircut i'm scheduled for tomorrow unfortunately i couldn't do it any earlier you will have to suffer this uh, horrible hair once again, but next week you will see me looking a lot younger, sharper, better. 
Another thing is I also saw a remark saying that um, I'm looking kind of fat. Whoa. So uh, I have to agree That's on this offensive. one. I mean, I have to agree on this one. I really added some weight during all these quarantines. All these six years out of the court. And, right? and six years out of the court. So I'm not taking any offense. It's true. But actually, when you see me with a proper haircut... You look uh, everything. Slimmer. Everything looks better. You look. Yeah. You look thinner. Your yeah. face looks better. So much depends actually on a good haircut because you, for example, look very that, solid. That's why I always try to stay fresh. That's yeah. uh, why I take a haircut every two, three weeks. Because every if two, it's weeks, four yeah. weeks, it's horrible. It just a span of like few days makes the main difference. I'm taking it once a month. I don't know why. I just don't like going to a barber. For me, it's maybe awkward. Maybe I don't know if should I have conversation with him. Shouldn't I talk to him? I have the same barber for more than more than a year, but it's still kind of awkward to me. I don't know. Going to a barber shop to me is a very awkward social situation. For other people, it's very normal and very pleasuring experience. No, for me, <laughs> a barber is like a. It's more important for me. I'm more consistent with barbers than with my girlfriends, for example. I think <laughs> I have I had more girlfriends <laughs> than barbers, actually, right. because barber is like for life. In Panevijis, I probably had like at most. But in Panevijis, you all just shave your yeah, head, more right? or less before <laughs> the high school and stuff like that. You know, in okay. Vilnius, in Vilnius, I've been I had only two in ten years. Yeah. Can imagine. Wow. And I, I changed the first one just because she got pregnant. So <laughs> nice. this is it. So my promise, uh, next week I'll definitely look better, more solid. That's good to hear. Yeah. So now we can start uh, start talking basketball, right? Proper basketball, because we talked now about some horrible amateur basketball. Yeah. Which I wanted to mention, just for the record. <laughs> And what a week it was. We had few exciting games, few exciting appearances. And one of the most anticipated uh, events uh, was Mario Hezonia and his return to uh, Oaka. Uh, first of all, uh, it was very interesting. I, I was curious to see if uh, Hezonia will fulfill his, uh, I would say, promise. Because uh, when he left Panathinaikos, it was July 22 when he tweeted that he's not going to play against Panaikos ever at Oaka because uh, of his love uh, to this club. Uh, but he actually appeared. He told in the interview uh, for Nova uh, that he mm, kind of, you know, thought about it, if he should play or not. And he talked uh, about it with Unix uh, front office that, oh, I'm not going to play this game and stuff like that. But a uh, few days before the game, he decided that he has to, let's say, pay respect to his former club and to enter uh, the court. Anyway, uh, Hezoniev was booed. Uh, and the main question is, uh, did he deserve such a welcoming booze or, or or not i think not uh, i think he didn't deserve to be booed however uh, this is a lesson for him that you need to be careful with what you're saying and what you're tweeting because you're a professional basketball player making such commitments that you're not going to play against this particular team in their home court it's not smart because eventually you're signing with a euroleague team and you're a professional basketball player, and you have to play games, you are healthy. If you don't play, I mean, your current uh, 
employers will not understand. I mean, it's an important game for us. We need wins. We're we're fighting in the EuroLeague standings, and you're just gonna take yourself out of this game because of some uh, emotional stuff. It's not professional, really. So uh, it's just a lesson that you should be really careful with what you're saying. In the past, we had some examples of players saying that I'm never going to play for this team. In Lithuania, we had mm. these examples, and, and then you ended up playing for them. Uh, it's professional sports, and uh, you can talk things like that, I don't know, on amateur level, but not in professional sports. But however, I don't think he deserved to be booed because, I mean, he joined... Unix Kazan, it's very neutral towards Panathinaikos. It's not like he joined some of their rivals. It, when he signed with Unix, for me, it looked like he, he signed there only for, let's say, a year to look how the situation in Panathinaikos will change in one year and then maybe to consider coming back. At least he chose a green and white team. So <laughs> <laughs> I he should have uh, chose Jargris then because we need some <laughs> talent at the court. Oh, for sure. But, you know, I don't see that He's a sinner. Like, he did something bad for Panathinaikos and their fans. Uh, and I've, I think maybe he regrets uh, tweeting that stuff. Um, but definitely, you can see that he sincerely cares about Pau. I am 100% sure he would never play for Oli, which is the most important yeah, thing. Yeah. And he joined Unix. Maybe he was thinking at that point that if it's not Panathinaikos, I will go back to NBA. I don't know. If you're in the NBA, you're safe. You're not coming to Oaka for sure. Uh, well, it is what it is. Uh, for to, to me personally, I think he didn't deserve to be booed. However, at the same time, I understand the fans. Mm. They're very emotional. They are always, um, uh, how to say, uh, attached to their players, and uh, they hear what they're saying. And they took, uh, they take all these statements very seriously. Yeah, they take they're the like you know, childs who remember everything you said. Yeah, and knowing. Remember how they met Mario Hazoni in the airport? That's the thing. They were showing a lot of love. And he was showing love towards them as well. So it was a very good relationship, which ended badly. But it's not a relationship that should be killed. No, no, no. It can be recreated, and maybe in the future Mario will play again for Pau. Who knows? Yeah. Although I think that he deserved to be good, actually. Okay. Just because he was met like a god nine months ago, actually, Few thousand people gathered in the airport to meet uh, to meet him and to greet him like a king during pandemic. It was a very serious time uh, back in the day. Uh, he was treated as a god. Probably the last Panthinaikos play player who was met uh, in, in this way was Sharuna Sesikavicius uh, 14, 13 years ago when he signed, signed with Panathinaikos. I don't remember any other occasion when a few thousand fans uh, came to the airport uh, to greet their new player. Uh, then he made all these uh, statements that I want to play for Panathinaikos for life. Uh, that I love this team, and uh, he said that he's uh, he had you know he kind of controls all these fans. He he gave an interview. Uh, in Istanbul uh, on, on my podcast and he told a lot of stuff how he got connected with Panathinaikos fans and stuff like that. So I'm not surprised at all uh, why he kind of broke the hearts uh, of Panathinaikos uh, fans because you can... Okay, the whole situation was really weird. For for whatever reason, he decided not to sign an extension with Panathinaikos. Uh, I mean, I completely understand fans being really disappointed because you don't change... Let's say you get all that appreciation. You tell all these things about Panaikos and your love for the club. And in the first summer, when the market opens for you and you become a free agent, 
you choose to go to Unix. I mean, okay, it's it's neutral f- team, but you kind of, you know, change your love, your dream team for Unix. But at the same time, why the situation is weird for me that Hezoni also mentioned it, that from the beginning, he didn't feel any love from new coach uh, Priftis. And that was probably a deal breaker where he understood that he might leave Mantnaikos. And I heard a lot of... Uh, uh, stories uh, what happened behind this uh, broken deal between Panaikos and Hezonia because it seems like Hezonia made the decision to leave Panaikos and you can think that oh maybe the um, financial uh, possibilities of Panaikos didn't meet um, Hezonia's requirements and stuff like that because he he's a he's an expensive player he, he his talent you know is worth uh, probably more than a million euros and in this uh, stage of Panaikos era uh, maybe he's too expensive for the team but at the same time there are a lot of stories that uh, kind of Panaikos kind of made him uh, let's say made him look like he left by himself, although maybe he was not appreciated and maybe some Panaikos uh, uh, people didn't want him to stay, actually. That's what he mentioned about Coach Priftis. So if I, I, I wasn't in that room, but for example, if it's true, I just don't get it. Because, okay, I understand if Barcelona and Shogun Siskavich was... Uh, they don't want uh, to sign Hezonia because they have a very specific uh, discipline system and Hezonia can just not fit that system. But yeah. when I watched this Panhaikos team playing, I just don't get it. What yeah, Hezonia I mean, would Hezonia be an improvement for, for, sure in, for sure in any position, shooting guard, small forward, yeah. whatever. Uh, you know, he himself just, he just put himself in this tricky situation because of his own statements. Now he has to choose whether he's going to be generous and loyal to the Oaka crowd and not play in this game and satisfy them or and and he would disappoint his current employers at the same time mm-hmm. or he stays professional plays the game does what he has to do because he has a contract with Unix and he disappoints this big crowd and gets booed and probably he knew that he he was going to get booed so for me the conclusion is simple. Be careful what you're saying. In professional sports, don't make these kind of promises. That's it. But it's Mario Hezonia, you know. Yeah, he's we need he, he's a, he's a like him in cool the guy. I really love yeah. Mario Hezonia. I, I love his game and everything about him. So yeah, I'm not criticizing him. I'm just saying that it's, it's it's a lesson to be learned. Probably maybe not for him, but for somebody else who sees the situation and and they will think twice before making some promises and statements. You never know what's going to happen in in a few years' time. Clubs change. Coaches especially change, relationships change, especially in Europe. Budgets change. A lot of things can change in, in a couple of years. Yeah, Hezonia had nine points, uh, two of seven shooting, four rebounds, one turnover, and only nine player index uh, rating. That was actually the only the only worst shooting night he had was in Istanbul in that disastrous night when they lost 41 to 80. But what a drama it was, actually, because uh, you have Yazonia booed in Panaikos. You clearly see him being affected by the pressure, by the environment and, and all of that. And also uh, Papa Petro had that kind of potentially game-winning shot yeah. against uh, Mario Yazonia. He faked him. Okay, it was kind of off-balance shot, but it could have decided the game for, for Panaikos. The dynamic duo, Lorenzo Brown and Isaiah Cannon, these two guys were leading the way for Kazanin. 
once again, my man Andrei Voronsevich. He's just too good this season. <laughs> he's he's an elite power forward at the moment in the form that he is. If you take last three or four games, he's playing as an elite power forward. Just like in the good old CSK days when he used to play for, for coach Atore Messina, for example. And not only yeah. in offense, yeah, in defense too. A lot of smart plays that he, he, he makes for this team. So credit goes to Andrei Voronsevich for sure. And John Brown, for example, his stat line is not very impressive, but he did a lot of small things on on, on the defensive end. He's a fighter. He, he's a warrior, I would say, John Brown. I love watching him, his energy. The stats maybe do not reflect this, but you can say that he played 30 minutes and Coach Perasovic definitely trusts him as this uh, fighter on the court who who dies for every loose ball, who, who goes in every 50-50 situation. And uh, he is very versatile on defense, so I really love watching John Brown this season. The only part I didn't like about that game uh, that uh, Mario Hezonia uh, wasn't invited to give an interview for the Euroleague TV. They took uh, Lorenzo Bla- Brown as a player of, of, of the game and also uh, obviously he made a game-winning shot. Then they had uh, both coaches and Isaiah Cannon. Uh, and I get it. They were the two best, the most efficient uh, players of U- Unix, of, of a winning team. But at the same time, when you have Hezonia at Oaka in such circumstances. I mean, it's it's a must to have. I him believe on TV. many people actually turned this game on only because, because of the storyline, yes, yes, only yes, because yes. it's Hezonia in Oaka. Because if you look at the standings and the quality these teams are showing, Unix against Pau is not really an, a very exciting no, no. game. It's, I mean, better games were on at, at the moment in terms of quality, but definitely a lot of people, I think, watch this one be- purely because of Hezonia. How how much uh, more of excitement this uh, game or this team, I'm talking about Unix, will have a Vianes team on the roster? Oh my God, I read these rumors t- t- today, I think, in the morning. <laughs> Vianes team. Well, I-, I am not really sure what they're trying to do with this. Uh, when they added OJ Mayo on top of what they have, it already seems strange. Okay, OJ Mayo plays his m- minutes, plays his part, like 10, 12 minutes. He doesn't seem to be making any trouble. Fine, okay, he has he has, he has his role. He's getting better, actually. For example, in this game against Pau, he had a decent run on offense. But where do you... Yeah, add Yanis Tima in this game in this team. I mean, Mario Hezonia doesn't seem very happy with the amount of shots he's taking, how he's being uh, used on offense. Maybe he expected to be more of a star player on this Kazan team. Maybe it just looks like uh, from his body language, but. Maybe, I don't uh, know. At least uh, in an interview, uh, Fornova, uh, again, he told that he's completely happy. He do the things he wants on the court and he plays the basketball he likes. So, And he feels the confidence of his coach and teammates, management okay. and, and stuff like that. I, so hope, I hope it is like that. Yeah. I hope it's... But I see what you're saying. Uh, and, and, and you add somebody else who demands the ball and he wants to take his five or six three-pointers per game. He was doing this in, in Himki and Zenit when they played in Euro Cup and is a player that well, doesn't fit into this defensive idea. I mean, at the moment Unix are winning games because of their defense. They are built like a talented scoring team, but they are winning because of defense. They're winning these low-scoring battles. I, I don't know what Yanis Tima brings to the table. I'm not sure if Coach Parasovic wants him. 
There are rumors that OJ Mayo might be injured and he might be out for a while and the contract uh, they are finalizing with Tima uh, is for one month. So he might be as a replacement and when I try to explain this move, maybe he he will be a replacement for a shooter uh, role, uh, let's say, because from OJ Mayo, most of uh, what you can get is shooting uh, three-pointers and stuff like that. So I think that maybe Tima will be uh, seen in that uh, kind of position. Well, he's definitely an interesting character, and he definitely loves he has that playing swag. in Russia. <laughs> so <laughs> is he still blonde? I mean, like he was in, in Orlando for in in summer league. Did you uh, check him on on Instagram? No, I didn't. But because Yanis Tima is is a must follow basketball player, especially in the Euroleague. Because for example, I saw he had a poster story when he was he has a Lambo. And um, he was like making a reel or something. Maybe it was even a TikTok video, like how to put. Uh, and probably he was going to practice or something, and he was making uh, doing a video just like how to put uh, luggage in 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 a Lambo, which is hard. So he ended up like just driving Lambo like this, like this, and having the luggage out of the door. You know, driving the car right. and and riding the luggage. So. No, Yanis Timo is a must to follow on Instagram. But it's not a must to sign for a EuroLeague <laughs> team. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're not surprised. I mean, Kazan signing If Yannis I had Tima. to say, which of these 18 clubs will sign Yanis Timo at some point of the season? Well, Kazan probably would be top of the list. I would I would have said Zenit, but since Xavi Pasquale is there, no. It's a no. With some other coach, they might be attracted because in the past he played some good seasons in, in, in Zenit. But now, Kazan is the only place. And, <laughs> well, it's, it's they're seems, just it, checking it their limits. Happening. They yeah. have nothing to lose. They're, they're going all in. Well, if he uh, respects that he's a role player now, he's not coming to this team to be the key player who's going to get a lot of shots, it might add something. I don't know. Sometimes you 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 can be surprised in a good way with some of these players when they get older they get maybe more mature and understand that uh, they want to win games more than they want to score points. We will see. We will see how this looks. And wrapping uh, uh, wrapping this uh, up about Mario Hazonia, uh, I miss uh, players and I miss uh, situations uh, like it was in Oaxaca uh, because it seems like there is no rivalry anymore in Europe. There are no, uh, let's see, hot stories uh, over there. And actually, right now, I'm I'm reading the the book when the game was ours. It it is a book about Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, their rivalry, the beginnings of the Lakers Celtics rivalry and stuff like that. And uh, it it was so exciting to read uh, Magic stories, for example, how uh, uh, how. Celtics fans in the arena, they were, I don't remember what it was, but they were like uh, pretending to be ghosts uh, in the stands, uh, just reminding how Celtics were killing Lakers in the NBA Finals, like uh, getting unzipped bags at the airport uh, in Boston or fans approaching them in the airport. Uh, and when Magic was expecting to, you know, give an autograph or something like that, uh, this decayed little kid was just saying, oh, Larry Bird will... will will smash you and and mm, 
and stuff like that. Bus drivers, uh, receptionists of the hotels wearing Celtics jersey have, and also having green curtain uh, in, in, in your room, in Lakers players' room. I, I miss that kind of uh, rivalry. And a, a question I had for you is, uh, do you imagine any other transfer or move in Europe uh, at the current EuroLeague, which would, um, uh, how to say, boost... A uh, big discussion, or or would be you know shocking move in in Euroleague, like Hezonia, for example. Yeah, it was yeah. a story. I don't know. Maybe it's only players moving in between Oli and Pau and Zvezdan Partizan. Other than that, I don't see anything. Even I mean, switching from Barcelona to Real Madrid, it's nothing these days. Uh-huh. It's nothing. Ertel did it. Hunger did, did it. Two players in did it. Yeah. Nobody cares about that. Okay, when when Mirotic signed, uh-huh. at first there were uh, Real Madrid fans, I don't know, posting shit emojis on his Facebook ac- account, but that's it. That yeah, these Instagram and social media yeah, awards yeah, are yeah. nothing. So the last time the we only, had... The only way, uh, I mean, it could spark something is is when a player would go directly from Olympiakos to Panathinaikos or from Zvezda to Partizan or vice versa. If Jorgos Printesis would decide to play his last season uh, <laughs> in, Arbus, or in power or Costas yeah. Lucas, it would be a bomb. Other than that, well, for example, American players switching sides. No. Nah, it's... Kevin Punter played for Partizan, played for Zvezda. Corey Walden did it. Oh, so he got some, I don't know, banners, um, some booze, some stuff thrown at him. And that's it. It's not a big deal. In Italy, for for example, last season, Gianpaolo Ricci was the captain of uh, Virtus Bologna. This season, he's going to Milan. Yeah, And in Turkey, let's say, uh, the rivalry between Fenerbahce and, and Efes, it's not a real rivalry. Uh-huh. You could say a rivalry is between Galatasaray and Besiktas, because yeah. these are football clubs with very passionate fans. And Fenerbahce and Efes... If, let's say, Jan Vesely would join FS at some point of his career... Which is possibly... I mean, which is possible because he's on, con- it's, on a contract. It's financially, it's possible contract. because FS can compete in the market with anybody. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't be a shocker, a big deal, or, or a sensation. I don't know. So he's a former Fenerbahce player. There, I, I, I don't see a big rivalry between Fenerbahce yeah. and Efes, although these Things are two Turkish Things would get worse clubs. if he would go to Galatasaray. Yeah, yeah, because of this, the, the football rivalry. Anadol Efes seems very neutral, actually. They don't have ultras. They don't have a mm-hmm. uh, football club. They're just in the EuroLeague. From what I understand, let's say, when Fenerbahce is not in the Final Four and Anadol Efes is playing in the Final Four, Turkish people still support them um i was uh let's uh, just say they are okay with fs i was having a ride court. home uh, one day with with the turkish guy uh, i ordered an uber and we were talking about basketball so he asked me who are the kings of of, of euroleague at that moment jelko was still coaching fenerbahce so i had to say fener he was very happy with that um and i asked him about fs what does he think about about them competing uh these were um, this was like the rise of the Ataman's team, and he said, uh, "Great, it's great for Turkish basketball. Uh, if they go to the final four, I support them." So I I don't see that. I mean, there's a big clash between these two Turkish clubs. What is obvious that there's no support between uh, Zvezda and Partizan. Uh, we for watched sure. that game on Sunday. It was probably the most um, uh, anticipating uh, game between Zvezda and Partizan for years because uh, with all all these signings of Kevin Punter, Zach Lede, with Jelko Bradovic's return. And I remember tweeting 
anything about Zvezda and Partizan end up with uh, reading all these trash comments uh, in, in my uh, Twitter uh, thread. It doesn't matter if you praise Zvezda or Partizan, you will be killed by opposing team fans. If you're criticizing something, you will be uh, cursed by that team fans. I mean, it's it's unimaginable what kind of rivalry it is out there. It was And it was a very emotional uh, game uh, in Alexander Nikolic Arena. And I was l- watching that game and I didn't I didn't realize that still in, in 2021, uh, we have a situation where for five minutes, first five minutes of the game, people are just throwing things on the court and the game continues like nothing happened. I mean, even the announcer is not saying that that guys just stop throwing things uh, at the players actually on the court because we will punish you or we will stop the game. No, I mean, people, okay, these were, let's say, piece of paper, some some paper stuff, and uh, it was thrown out on players. Kevin Punter got hit uh, and in his shoulder uh, and stuff. Nothing serious, but who knows? Maybe next time it would be a coin, it would be a lighter or, or something else. So it's, it's really weird to see... Uh, that happening and at the same time I cannot understand I mean you know what's coming can't you just put a net around the court just like they did in Panthinaikos and Olympiakos games in these derby games why not to protect players because okay for us it's kind of fun to watch things like that but we should be you know concerned about players safety and that that was that looked really bad actually no well it's part of old school european basketball culture where players uh, go to the game not only concerned about whether they're going to win or not but a little bit concerned about their lives so <laughs> it is it is what it is um i wasn't as I, I wasn't that focused on the atmosphere actually i just wanted to see this highly anticipated game uh yeah, yeah, me and too. But you know, when in the first minute of the game, the yeah, game was yeah. interrupted for two or three times. Uh, I was like, "How long it will uh, we will be suffering this?" Well, it's something you could have expected, probably. No, no. no. Yeah. I mean, I have full love for Serbian basketball culture, as we talked in the previous podcast. I've been both in Partizan's Vesda games, and I well, love the atmosphere they create. But you know, the reception that Kevin Punter got from Zvezda fans wasn't as bad as the reception he got from Ognjan Dobric, <laughs> Austin Hollins, and Branko yeah. Lazic. Yeah. The way they were denying Kevin Punter for 40 minutes, he played 31 to be more precise, it was a just, I don't know, it was pure art. It was a masterpiece what they were doing. Dobric was so amazing with his length, always denying, consistently denying Kevin Punter. He had no easy shots, no easy buckets. Austin Hollins at some point of the game was like glued to Kevin Punter, going off every every screen. It it, it seemed like uh, Coach Radonich was preparing these guys for this particular game and this particular matchup. I know that uh, before that they faced as well and they did a good job against Chris Jones and Elio Kobo and won that game, but here against Partizan, the defense against Kevin Punter was just something amazing. For me, it was like the highlight of the game, even though there were some great moments, great plays. Uh, on both sides, it has to be said, but of course, Venice was the completely outplayed Partizan. I would say Partizan with Jelko Bradovic, they are the more talented team maybe. They have more skill in their roster. 
but Cervantes Vesda is built with this defensive minded mentality mm-hmm. a team full of warriors um, a team that fears nobody uh, they defend like crazy the physicality is off the charts the size of this team is uh, is, is just spectacular when you when you start with Ognjan Kuzmich at center and you have these long forwards Kalinic Simonovic uh, I mean the size is just wow they have a good point guard, Nate Walters, which I would say partisan lacks. Yeah. Nate Walters is the best point guard uh, on, in, both teams. In both, on both of these teams. Yeah, He controls the game. He's very smart. He's very calm. I cannot say the same uh, about Dallas Moore. Even he had 14 points, yeah. but I don't see him really like being the guy who controls the team. Yeah, I also had that impression that Partizan was lacking of a good leadership starting for yeah. the point guard position. And we saw Kevin Punter uh, left only six points on 29% of shooting. He was slaughtered on exactly. the Exactly. I remember that Kevin Punter before the season uh, had a really interesting podcast with him and he told that he he mentioned one player who can kind of challenge him, challenge him in defense uh, but he was kind of sincere that there's nobody who can who, stop who, me. Who was that one player? I don't remember. It was his former teammate. Not a very well-known teammate. I will have to check the podcast uh, again. But uh, what Zvezda did, they just threw two free bodies uh, on him. Panther didn't have any space uh, to breathe. And just as you mentioned, I mean, Zvezda killed them in a way they are killing all EuroLeague teams. Yeah. And that they're just showing the way how you can be competitive with a lowest budget uh, team. I know that the budget thing is also yeah. another big discussion in Serbia because both teams, uh, it seems like, especially for the fans of the opposing teams, it seems like they are pretending of, in no, of fake uh, budgets. Fake uh, numbers. Yeah, they're faking uh, numbers and, and things like that. Uh, but it was very symbolic that both Panther and Lidi had only... 11 points, they were terrible uh, shooting from the field, and they're getting something close to 1.5 million, and these were yeah. the biggest signings of uh, Partizan. Of course, this battle was just first of many. It will be very exciting to follow both both these, cl- of these, both these clubs throughout the season and their rivalry. It's going to be huge in the playoffs, definitely. Um, Jelko Obradovic suffered also a loss in the Euro Cup. It was a bad week for, for, yeah. for the team, but it happens in the regular season, and Jelko said uh, he doesn't see this as a huge problem. It happens. Okay, we lost a few games, but overall their record is still good. The team, you can see they are still building chemistry. I liked, for example, Alan Smilagic. Uh-huh. He's really skilled, a fundamental, fundamental guy. Yeah, I didn't understand, for example, what part does Rodion Kurutz play on his, mm. this team? He just looks like he a looks random, lost looks like a team. random player, and it is like that from the beginning of of, of the season. I, I remember I yeah. saw him first in Istanbul, and he was just mediocre on the court. Yeah, and it was a pure example that at this point of the season, Zvezda is the better team, but it's November. We'll see how mm. it looks like yeah. in spring, when it matters the most. But uh, a lot of credit has to go to to Cervantes Vesda team, the players. Uh, Dejan Radonic, as we said, when he coaches at home with Zvezda, he does some great things. Abroad, he doesn't look so good. But here, he just looks like the right fit for this team. And I actually thought of the theme song for this um, Cervantes Vesda squad. Um, it could be Dua Lipa song, Let's Get Physical. <laughs> They're getting so physical on the court. <laughs> Extremely I, physical, I would say. 
actually like their own local Serbian songs. Yeah, of course it's arena. better. And <laughs> I, I do believe that Serbian people will not be very fond of Dua Lipa, <laughs> but <laughs> but still the lyrics are so catchy and they just um, fit to this team's uh, ga- game style. Yeah, that m- maybe that game could have go different in a different uh, route if Partizan would have made their first shot bec- uh, shots because they had some open looks but it seems like the team was affected by the pressure by the atmosphere by the fans eight points in the first quarter eight points in the first quarter 18 in f- eight, 18 first uh, minutes they were missing really nice shots let's say but later uh, when they missed uh, their confidence in their own shots they they made only 39% of uh, shots uh, from the field. Uh, later, also, Zvezda got in that uh, beast, uh, lockdown beasts uh, mode, and it was just impossible to get uh, out of their court and uh, home arena uh, with a win. But as you, as you said, I mean, Partizan needs time. Jelko Bradovic also pointed that uh, after the game, and I see the potential for, for the Partizan team, although I'm also, uh, I was really, you know, happy to see that uh, Zvezda also showed the character and also showed the difference bef- between the EuroLeague and EuroCup because Zvezda were too physical for Partizan. I think that Zvezda outsmarted Partizan and that kind of, you know, Playing smart way starts also from the point guard position. Yamadar, uh, he's just still too young for for the pressure, uh, for the atmosphere uh, of the game uh, like this. The same I can say about uh, Dallas Moore, at least for now, at the moment, when there are three, four months with Jelko, Jelko Bradovic. Uh, so Partizan had a, re- a really good uh, reality check, but later in the season we will, ha- we will have another... Uh, now they're facing your hometown team. Uh, this week. <laughs> that yeah. hometown sounds, hometown, sounds crazy. Yeah. Not, Nena Chanek is also coming to, yeah. to Belgrade, former partisan captain and uh, oh, head yeah, coach uh, yeah, also. Yeah. Uh, so it, w- it will be a, a very emotional game for him too. Um, I have a question actually about these two teams from Belgrade. Um, out of both of these rosters, which, if you were a GM of a good elite EuroLeague team, which one player would you take from both of these teams? Which one would you mm. say stands out to you like the best one? Uh, because there I have are to take Kevin Punter. That's Kevin for Punter. sure. Because of the it depends abilities. on your on the style of your team. But well, you're building a team from scratch, and you have to start. Okay, somewhere. Kevin Punter and Nikola Kalinic. I think so. But Punter would be top of the list. Yeah, yeah. For me, it would be Kalinic definitely. Uh-huh. Kalinic, maybe I should. He, say. He's Nikola playing Kalinic. tremendous season and. Maybe he's not scoring that much, but the way how many great uh, shots he creates from the low post, uh, low post situations, in the way how he helps in defense and how he kind of combines backcourt with the front line, he, it's an exception. He remains one of the best forwards in the Euroleague. He he proved that last season with Valencia. He was playing good under Jelko Bradovic in Fenerbahce. He's doing much more now for Zvezda now that he's the key player. He's like the face of this team. And we all know that Kal- Kalinic definitely could play in, in 
elite, in any elite, elite team. In any yeah, yeah. In all of these elite clubs, he could have a place. In Barcelona, for Sharas, he could definitely yeah. play. But he loves he loves Serbia. He loves Servena Zvezda. He wanted to be so there. So he got paid so good. Of course he got paid good. But you know, uh, realistically, you have some offers in your thinking. Yeah, yeah, of course. Do I want to go home mm. or do I want to try and win EuroLeague with, with, I don't know, Barca? And he chose uh-huh. Zvezda and a lot of respect because of that. And to me, he's the best player on both of these teams. That's a great rivalry. Yeah. I mean, I want to see both of Belgrade teams in the EuroLeague next year. And I don't like that idea that there should be only one place, one spot in the EuroLeague for the ABBA League uh, team. I think that uh, we can afford having two... Uh, now, great. when we have two quality teams. Of course. But before, let's, let's before be before real. It was when when Budishnos yeah. played in EuroLeague, they didn't add anything to the mm. quality of the product. And, uh, I agree. And, and Partizan were struggling for a lot of years. Before Jelko, they had some mini project with Andrea Trinchieri, mm. which didn't last long, but they were, I mean, suffering some t- tough times and they were bottom of the Euro Cup and in some seasons. So now when you have these two mm. teams, for sure, both of them belong in, in the EuroLeague. It's just a question of consistency. Are they stable financially, partisan? Will they it's stay always like a question this? in Serbia. It's always a question. Well, yeah. Let's move on uh, to another game in Belgrade, right? Zvezda Asvel. Until that game, Asvel were first in three-point shooting, second in two-point shooting, and first in true shooting percentage. But they had worse shooting night. Uh, and uh, I remember watching that game. They had 50 points in first 35 minutes. Uh, Chris Jones and Elio Kobo, they were on their worst shooting nights. Even though Kobo scored 16 points, he was 5 of 16. Chris Jones, okay, he was 5 from 6. But this was the game with least shots taking. And, of yeah. course, uh, thanks to great uh, Zvezda defense, they shared the second-best defensive rating in the EuroLeague, second-best, they are second-best in three-shooting perse- percentage allowed, 53%, first and least possessions allowed, and first and late-clock uh, forcing opponents in, into a la- a late-clock uh, uh, situations. It, it was an MVP perfor- performance from Nikola Karlinic, definitely. Uh, Austin Hollins, uh, his numbers are not good if you look at his stats, but he starts getting better in this team because of his defensive abilities. He was, as I I mentioned, doing a good job on uh, Kevin Punter in some parts of the game in the derby. Here, he took Eli Okobo and he really did a good job limiting him. Okobo ended up with 16 points, but he got... Mm -hmm some of these points in the end of the game and his uh, numbers were the lowest uh, this season. Yeah, his, yeah, his two, player two index rating was yeah, the worst only this 10, year. The worst, yeah, the worst game for him. And Austin Hollis was one of the players that actually made it hard for Elio Kobo. Uh, yeah, so another defensive win. That's, that's the way they're winning games, especially playing at home and they managed to handle these uh, talented players uh, guards from as well. CSKA Maccabi, CSKA were so close close to to lose six, a sixth game in a row, and uh, you could feel that kind of importance uh, watching uh, the scenes after the game. EuroLeague TV cameras uh, had uh, one CSKA fan, it was uh, one lady which was almost crying or or maybe even in tears watching uh, CSKA uh, winning that game. It was close game. Yeah. Uh, it was, let's say, 
Derek Williams layup away from from having another uh, upset. Uh, okay, quality quality of that game, especially in the end of the game, wasn't uh, the best, but for sure, Cesca deserved that one. They needed that one badly, and it was like a relief when Derek Williams missed the layup. Uh, the tension was so high when the referees went to, to the monitor to see the out of bounds play, and it was a great decision by refs to give a ball. Uh, it was so difficult to uh-huh. tell uh, and, uh, during real time uh, whether it's off Grigonis or you not. You were commenting the, the game, right? No, I was. Ah, I was. Okay. I was a spectator. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was watching it, uh, but I, I said to myself, when Maccabi had only one team foul. And they had to foul, obviously. They took the second team foul. And I said, well, they still need to foul CSK three times to send them to the line. But they will definitely, first of all, try to Mm -hmm. steal the ball. And the home team should have been prepared for that. They obviously were expecting that. And then, bam, this 50-50 play happens. The referees took, like, I don't know, two minutes I believe uh-huh. I believe it was, it was Mr. Mr. Lamonica. It was Mr. Lamonica, uh, the uh, head referee of this game. It took a long time. There was so much tension waiting for the decision, and then they come back, and it's Maccabi's ball. And you're thinking like, there it is. Scotty Wilbekin probably is going to take the last shot. Wasn't meant to be. It was very difficult for Scotty, uh, but they ended up with a decent layup, and they fought for an offensive rebound as well. So. I would say CSK survived in the end of this game, mm-hmm. and they needed this uh, win really badly, as I said. Uh, doesn't matter the result. Doesn't matter the quality. They just needed yeah. to finally win a game of basketball, which they did. And the good thing is Marius Grigorn is coming back, actually, and uh, I was quite impressed. Uh, he made some clutch Except port- from the end shots. of the game, right? He made that uh, stupid foul against yes, Derek Williams. Yes, in the end the of the Williams. game, yeah. But, but he, he also made, lost that ball. He then made Evan, Evans put that defensive play. But he made some important shots. Yeah, yeah. And knowing that he was uh, injured for quite a while, yeah. it was important for him also to feel that he is uh, prepared, he's fit, and he, the coach can trust him. Uh, he scored 10 points in this game. Of course, they were more positive than, yeah, than yeah, negative. Yeah. That's so for it sure. was nice to see him back from the injury. I was expecting to see Milutinov also, but just before the game... It seems like he f- felt pain again yeah, because yeah. before he played in VTB League game, I was also expecting him to watch against uh, Maccabi and he would definitely uh, make uh, uh, Ante Zizic's life uh, uh, worse. Uh, actually, I Zizic think was dominating. I think that Zizic is one of the most improved players in the EuroLeague uh, compared to the previous season because it was not the first game he was really dominating and making a huge impact uh, for Maccabi uh, offense. And that's the thing. I mean, Tsuska needs uh, need uh, all their pr- players returning uh, to the lineup. Uh, Grigonis is here. It will take some time to get into his uh, good shape. It will take some time to have Nikola Milutinov. Uh, Shengele is there and, and all these wins uh, will come. Uh, I was I expecting no uh, that. That, that Will Clyburn will be the difference maker in this game. Game. It wasn't meant to be, and Will Clyburn looks very strange. Actually, sometimes you, you you watch him and you're thinking, if he is motivated, he's gonna be the best player on the court. But sometimes, in some games, he just seems off. Why? I'm not sure. Maybe that's a wrong impression. But in maybe <laughs> so it's just because it's November. 
but but you saw some games where he was unstoppable. Yeah, it seems like when he's really on and he takes the ball in his hands, he can do uh, whatever he and wants, he, just like LeBron James. He's not a player that is dependent on matchups, whether he has a good matchup uh -huh. or not. He he's the best small forward in in, in Euroleague. But sometimes he just doesn't seem to be at 100%. Maybe he's just, uh, he knows when he has to play at his best and when he can save some energy. I don't know. Uh, however, I can say definitely if Ante Zizic for you is the most improved player. One of the most improved players. Uh, Derek Williams is the most exciting player to watch at the moment this season because he's making so many spectacular plays. In this game in Moscow, that alley-oop, Mm -hmm. Wow, really? And I I've talked before about Derek Williams a lot. It's not only that he plays uh, spectacular basketball; he also plays smart basketball. And in this game, he was really close to winning it for for um, Maccabi. Thirty-two minutes on the court, twenty points. He made a step back three pointer. He's not known for sh for his shooting abilities, but this season he's actually shooting uh, from three point range. 47 percent that's which is impressive yeah uh, i'll bring one uh interesting comment from uh our uh youtube i mean comment below the our youtube uh, video the last one it's uh pedro sanchez uh hi guys great video i'd like to ask you a question concerning ife lundberg do you believe uh, some people say that his game is too inconsistent uh, to be a starting point guard uh, on a contending team in the euroleague thank you What's your take on this? I agree. He shouldn't be a starting point guard for a team competing to win the title. He can be a good role player. He can be the main guy in, in some games, in some situations, but you cannot depend on him for the full season as your main point guard. He's an athletic guard. He's a streaky shooter and a good scorer. He's a good finisher. His decision-making sometimes still rises some questions and you know he hasn't been in Euroleague uh, for a long time it's he, only his first full season yeah. starting from so the he league. has a lot to learn um, I think he's an NBA material to be honest uh, an athletic guard uh, although he's he can not play so one athletic one, he can play one on one when I remember Mike James he was much more explosive for me Mike James is but if Lundberg is a good finisher him, he can go to the rim he can finish and no no he's good he can finish with contact uh, the inconsistency yes is, is the main thing I definitely agree with that one And but in general I could see him having a spot on an NBA team's roster would it work out for him eventually or not is another question, but I could see him, let's say, going to the summer league, impressing some scouts, getting a contract, getting a chance to get to the NBA. EuroLeague basketball for a point guard is very demanding in a, in a tactical way. And if Lundberg doesn't seem like this player who sets everybody in their places, controls the tempo of the game. Daniel Hackett, for example, is a uh, pure point yeah, guard. He's more two and, than one. I mean, Ife Lundberg. Yeah, Ife Lundberg. Ideally, he should be, but in this Seska yeah. roster... Maybe he will be better when Seska will sign another uh, point so guard. So that's the thing. So Ife should if, if could play next to him. would be a player for 15 minutes in a EuroLeague game, he, it could work. But now we see him playing like 25 minutes and um, having the ball in his hands... In decisive possessions, which he did 
okay against Maccabi. He scored eight clutch points uh, in the second part of the fourth quarter. I think if you want to have Ife Lundberg as your main guard, you should be talking about lower-level teams like, I don't know, Alba in Žalgiris. He would be the best guard at the moment for sure. But in elite teams, yeah, well, you would expect them to have somebody better, more oh, relia- reliable. I think he I downplayed Ife Lundberg a little bit, no? I'm I'm talking about Ife Lundberg being, as the question was, mm. the main point guard of the mm. team. I'm not saying that he cannot play for Ceska or he is a bad player. If you have, let's say, if Ceska would have signed Vasa Mitic, yeah, and you have Ife Lundberg, it's great. You have depth in your roster. You have options. If Lumber can provide some scoring, playing next to Vasemitic. But if you have If Lumber as the main creator, oh yeah. If that's the question, yeah, okay, I I agree. I just think that it's too early to judge uh, Lundberg. I just want to see him in his best position, shooting guard position, and he for sure has potential for for the example for in the first uh, two games uh, of the season, and he played against great uh, teams. It was Milan and FS, if, uh, if I'm correct, and he was averaging 15 points, 6.5 rebounds, 5.5 assists, assists per game. Uh, just later, as Pedro noticed, he was not consistent, uh, not consistent. He averaged only uh, 7.7 points on 17 percent three-point uh, yeah. shooting his three-point shooting is 27.6 right now his uh, three-point shooting numbers suffer because he tends to take a lot of shots at the end of the shot clock mm-hmm. off the dribble and of course naturally if you take these difficult shots the numbers will go down which is why it's 27.6 although he's a decent shooter he's he's a much better shooter than the numbers show uh-huh. But we have to understand he took a step from playing in a mediocre Polish team, Zelona Gora, to an elite Euroleague club. And at that moment, he was taking like a, a temporary option because they had a situation with Mike James and they couldn't sign anyone better. But for this season, we see, we can see that Dimitri Sotoulis was convinced that if Lumber can stay mm. in this team and he can be a valuable asset, so okay, let's let's move forward. Let's hope he he continues improving his game. He's like twenty six years old yeah, only. He's still twenty six. Again, he he played in the Euroleague nearly a one year. And the most important thing about Ife that he's a real professional. There are no problems with him both on and off the court. And I just believe that he will figure it out. But uh, he said himself, like, his dream is to play in the NBA. Uh, that's true. And if, if it is his goal, if he has his aim set on playing in the NBA, you can expect that next summer he will be looking for opportunities, definitely. Yeah, he was looking for that opportunity even this summer. Yeah. Uh, at one point, it seemed like, uh, I remember also reported it that if uh, Lundberg told that it's a no-go to Ceska because I'm all in, in getting an NBA opportunity. But Ceska just raised their offer and uh, if I decided that it's a, it's a good thing for him to stay in Moscow, which I completely agree with. Uh, but yeah, I mean, talking about uh, all these NBA dreams, uh, I think, you know, 
players, for example, Will Clyburn, uh, he's a good example. There we have other good examples. Uh, okay, Eiffel Lundberg is Dan uh, from Denmark. Um, but all these Americans, at first, they are dreaming about the NBA. But uh, as soon as they get in a good situation, good environment, they when they get good money, and they understand that it's actually cool to be here in the EuroLeague to represent the top organization here in Europe rather than just seek for some short-term uh, solutions in NBA. I believe that if Hellenberg might be one of these guys who will stay in the EuroLeague and he might be on a top, top level, top shelf. I, I would encourage any person to chase his dream that's for sure. Just, especially just when have you're a taste of the of the uh, 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 have a taste of the NBA. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But for any player, if he has a chance to at least experience mm -hmm. NBA basketball, I would say go for it. We see, for example, Argentinian guys. For Facundo Campazzo, it worked out. For Gabriel Deck, it's not working out. So maybe Gabriel Deck will be back in in Euroleague next season. He will be a solid signing for any of these elite teams. However. To see from inside how NBA looks like, how an NBA organization works from top to bottom, to be there where you are only taking care of basketball. You are a basketball player. Your job is to play basketball. You don't need to worry about anything else. It's the highest level of professional sports. And if some player is trying to get to the NBA, do it. Go for it. If you're good enough, you will definitely be back in Europe and get offers. Many, there are a lot of examples, uh, players, European players that went to the NBA, didn't look so good, but they were signing great contracts in Europe. Jan Vesely, Nando Lecolo, a lot of players. So for Ife Lundberg, if there's a chance, yeah, why not? We Test were, yourself. We were emphasizing poor three-point shooting percentage, and probably you cannot find uh, any worse three-point shooting team than Fenerbahce. And their horrible nights against Milan, 3-22, the first quarter uh, set the tone for the worst offensive night for Fenerbahce in the early history, 43-68. Ritas, do we have a problem with Fenerbahce and their offense? Uh, we do. Um, we also have a... Other teams also have a problem with the Torre Messinas, which all defense... <laughs> um, well, actually, our colleague, Augusta Shulauskas, you can follow him yeah. on Twitter at Ogis04. He had a great, had breakdown, a great breakdown of this game, of uh, the strengths of Milan Specifically and, and, the first and weaknesses quarter. of Fenerbahce. Yeah. So it's, it's difficult to have good spacing uh, when you don't have a stretch four in modern-day basketball. Jan Vesely, in my opinion, he, should be, he should be a center. Jan Vesely should be a center, mm -hmm. but... Year after year, you see Fenerbahce playing with these big lineups where, where Jan Vesely is a four, now playing with sharing the court with uh, Devin Booker, for example. And uh, other players are not shooters. Pierre Henry is not a shooter. Mary Elsheok is not a shooter. They, they suffer against Milano, switch all defense. They couldn't do anything. Uh, yes, there's a problem. However, it's not as dramatic as it might look from the scoreline in this particular game because we know that Fenerbahce in previous weeks lost games by a buzzer beater by a last second shot the result in the standings could be a lot better than it is we saw also them playing in moscow a game where they were actually making shots and making big shots whether it's the colo Guderich or some other guys so it's not as bad as it looks like but the roster is not built i properly 
Yeah, and it was a good reminder. That game a couple was a good of reminder. adjustments, and they would be winning games with with Vessel and Decolo as they should be doing. But right now, yes, you can say that uh, there there are mistakes made uh, building this team. At the same time, Milano, Atora Messina did a heck of a job during these few years, uh, signing the right players, playing basketball the modern way. It just looks like Atore Messina came back from NBA with a lot of new ideas how he can be successful in European basketball. These Milano teams have nothing in common with Atore Messina's uh, days 15 or 16 years ago when he was coaching in Moscow or in Madrid. I would say right now, uh, if you look at the idea how the team is built, um, the players they have chosen to their positions... Milano is closest to being an NBA team in Europe right now. They have this. They have big stretch fours. They have uh, athletic center who can switch everything on defense. They have great ball handlers who can create for themselves and also play very good in pick and roll situations. They have a lot of shooters. They have players that you can easily put in different positions and have very good spacing. They have experience. I mean, it's just a very modern basketball team. Yeah, there are a lot of reasons why I love Milan uh, too. I remember I was pretty skeptical skeptical about their summer moves, but it seems like that signings of Devon Hall, um, Nicola Melli, uh, Dimitri, Dinos uh, Mitoglu, and also Troy Daniels, uh, Jaron Grant, they also have potential uh, to be better and even to strengthen this uh, team uh, even more. Uh, that's what August also mentioned uh, on Twitter, that the worst part is, the worst thing is that he sees uh, much more potential for, he for Milan be team. even better. Yeah, yeah maybe so, so that's maybe a so. scary part of Milan regarding to... But Fen- let's agree that Fenerbahce can be a lot better than they were yeah. in this game. They, they, they showed their worst form. And what, what was also interesting that they were booed after the game, especially when Perrier Henry released that air ball. Uh, it was the last shot uh, of the game. Uh, I agree with the concerns of uh, their shooting problems. Although, of course, uh, Achille Polonara, he can be much better than 24% shooter. Uh, Perrier Henry, 35%. It's something what you can expect uh, from him. But I believe that the signing of another uh, shooter should be uh, made because uh, all these numbers show the tendency. They're uh, 18th at the three-point. Uh, uh, they're 18th at the three-point yeah. average, uh, only 32.3 percent, uh, 15th offensive rating. So um, or these are things to to uh, to be concerned about. Or you just have to play different lineups. Uh, let's say Melik Mahmutoglu is a good shooter. Uh, Marco Guduric is a good shooter. Nando De Colo is a good shooter. Uh, if you start playing Vesely more at five, uh, Polonara more at four, if you start taking minutes away from Mariel Sheok and, and Daishon Pierre and giving more to Mamutoglu, to Guduric, and just giving more responsibilities to Nando De Colo on offense, mm. because for me it's hard to see De Colo playing 19 minutes, ending up with two points, one from seven shooting. He can't find the connection with uh, Sasha Georgievich yeah, so, so far, because I mean, you you la- you're lacking shooters, but you still have some shooters on your team. So maybe it's about the lineups. Maybe you need to try different lineups uh, that could spread the court a little bit more and have b- a, have better spacing playing with these big lineups. 
it's obviously it doesn't work against teams like uh, Milano. They're very well prepared for that. Do you think Djordjevic is under pressure after this? I don't know. In this coaching market where you see Nevan Spahia replacing Dusko Ivanovic, you understand that <laughs> there are no good options on <laughs> no, the market. No, but this is <laughs> They have to go for someone yeah, they, they already Spahia, had. It's either Spahia, Perasovic, Ivanovic or Pedro Martinez. It's circle of life in, in Vitoria. <laughs> but he, right now, I don't see very good replacements. We have to uh, take in, into consideration that they lost so many games and the uh, uh, late uh, game uh, drama. So they have to be patient. They have to make some adjustments either in their lineup or just to add some some shooters. But Fenerbahce actually is a good example of um, of a team that has uh, good financial resources and sign good players, but good players do not necessarily make up a good balanced team. Ettore Messino is signing players for his system that fit right in. Like Nicolo Melli, he doesn't need any time. He goes there, he's one of their best but players. But it took some time for him to build that roster. You can remember his first year. Yeah, in first year, he was, was also playing big and it didn't work. With yeah. Gudaitis, with Skola, it was it was not working. They were somewhere seventh or eighth in the EuroLeague uh, before the pandemic. Uh, but then, bam, he changes everything. Mm. Of course, they, it's easier when you sign very experienced players that have been playing in EuroLeague for six or eight years. It's it's very easy to work with it's them. It's easier when you have your team for the second season. Uh, I mean, you have ability to make adjustments. Sasha Georgievich yeah. got the team which was built for uh, Kokoshkov. But Fenerbahce, for example, they are also signing good players, but these players do not necessarily fit very well with each other. Polonara with Vesely, you add on top of that Devin Booker, who can only play at center position, sign guys like Mariel Sheok. I don't think Mariel Sheok is a bad player, but he maybe he is not in his right place. And it, you can find some other examples as well. So Pierre Henry, for example, right? I know it's, it was not Georgievich signing. I know the team was built for Kokoshkov, probably. But when you are thinking that maybe our team needs more shooters... And we might have some problems because we don't have a stretch four. You sign up one guard who doesn't shoot, it doesn't make any sense. Mm. Pierre Henry can make some shots, but he is not a three-point shooter. When he's playing pick and rolls, everybody will go under the screens. It's very obvious. It's more of Nick Caladius type of player. So if Pierre Henry would be replaced by, I don't know, Malcolm Delaney in these circumstances. Mm -hmm. Bam, everything that would changes. be much better All fit for Fenerbahce. Changes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't watch Zenit game against Olympiakos. Yeah, Is there I, anything you want to talk about? I saw it. I was covering this game once again. Barzokas and his rotations, which are... <laughs> kill the team again? Uh, I, I wouldn't say kill the team, but these are just too hard to understand for a common basketball fan like, like myself. <laughs> I don't know why he's doing these rotations. Why is he sticking with that? I don't really understand. However, uh, credit to Xavi Pasquale. His team seemed like they lost control in the third quarter, but they played a very solid fourth quarter. And yeah, I see they jumped from nine points in the third and to 26 in the fourth. And they were attacking mismatches very well. Once again, another game where Mindogas Kuzminskas played a big part and, and he was feeling very good on the court. Uh, they started with good three-point shooting. The first half was high scoring. Frank Kamp was making every single shot he was taking. 
and some other guys as well. But uh, both coaches were actually unhappy after the first half because they said we need to play better defense. And I was expecting that the third quarter will be different and it started, it started being more defensive, more physical. And in the fourth quarter, what impressed me the most that Zenit went back to their last season where it mattered the most. They played in isolation, uh, very long possessions for 20 or more seconds, and everything ends up with Kevin Pangos or Billy mm -hmm. Barron taking a shot off the dribble because they know how to create space for themselves. Wh who were the facilitators? Billy Barron, time? Jordan Lloyd. These uh -huh. were the main guys. And the good thing is, when they missed some shots, they got crucial offensive rebounds. This is what killed Olympiakos in the fourth quarter. Um, I don't know. Ollie tried to stay in the game. Costas Lucas have had some moments in the fourth quarter. But at the same time, I'm looking at the Olympiakos and thinking, is Sasha Vesnikov maybe a little bit overhyped? Uh, I also had the concerns on Vesenkov because I have him on my fantasy team no. and I start <laughs> to lose my belief in, in Vesenkov. I might have some changes in this position. I don't know. I mean, what what does it mean to be overhyped? He he was paid seven hundred thousand euros per per, per year. I mean, and we have to take some responsibility on this as well. That he had a very good preseason. He had very good first games of the Euroleague season, and we were talking. He's playing yeah his best. It's an ideal stretch four. He looks so so good and. And s we sort of started thinking of him like a superstar. And he, he finished the last season on a yeah, really yeah, high note. So that kind of made an impression so that this is guy moving forward. Now let's be real. He's not Nikola Mirotic. He's not that level. He's not at that level. And you cannot really expect him to win games for Olympiakos. To me, the key player still is Kostas Lucas. But I would like Mr. Barzokas to stop doing this. Plays one quarter, he sits one quarter. Doesn't matter if the team is playing good or bad. He sticks to the, his rotations. The same with Dorsey and Walkup spreading these minutes. I don't get it really. And I mean, that's good when they are six and three. That's that we're talking about the potential uh, room uh, room for this growth. This is a good team with yeah. good players. Just in some games, of course, when they're losing, it's easy to say that it's mm. a problem. But and it's not working. In some yeah. games, it's just for me hard to understand. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Maybe I'm just. I mean, it's me against a experienced professional coach who has won titles in his career and led teams to Final Four. So I'm not winning this argument. But come on, I mean, Kostas <laughs> Lucas, he played 22 minutes. I remember him playing 37 minutes for Jelko Bradovic. I remember Kostas Lukas uh, playing the whole, whole first half without a substitution for Jelko, having a TV interview, and the question was like, you were playing for 20 minutes without substitutions, you seem tired, and he says like, uh, it's only first half, I'm not tired, I have a lot of energy left, and then he goes on and plays the second half, 17 minutes, they win the game. I believe that Kostas Lukas at the age of 31 can play more than 22 minutes in a basketball game. Yeah, I think that what's underrated is his stamina, really. Yeah. That's shocking. Yeah. So why have him on the bench for the whole quarter when your team is struggling? Why? Why stick to these rotations? In the NBA, yes, you have your rotation set. You know when the player is going to come in, when the player is going to come out. The only way it changes is foul trouble or injuries. But in regular season, you have 82 games, the rotation is planned, and you play this way. 
It doesn't work in EuroLeague. It shouldn't be like this in EuroLeague. Yeah. Why? Why the question? This question was raised in in Monaco uh, for many occasions. Uh, Otello Hunter made probably the most famous uh, tweet of the season so far. Uh, it's clear that the ego of the head referee in this game clouded his judgment. That was disre- disrespectful to my team. We give you too much respect and get fined for saying you was horrible. But today I don't care. Respect the game we love and do better. Uh, now I know I don't say much in public about officiating or on social, but tonight was the worst I've seen in my whole career. EuroLeague, I'll send you the fine, mo- uh, the fine money in the morning. So that was his reaction after the loss in Monaco. Uh, Monaco beat Bayern badly by f- 23 points. I watched that game kind of, you know, I fast forward uh, that game. And I have to admit, I saw at least three very, very, very questionable uh, calls. Uh, a few of them. I saw, I, I, mm, I showed you yeah. the foul against uh, Mike James, where he was sent to the line for free, free throws. It was like a ghost foul, really. Yeah. There were a few other uh, times, for example, Dwayne Bacon on a clear travel, Corey Walden, a strange uh, charging foul uh, uh, against, uh, uh, no, sorry, strange defensive foul uh, against uh, Donatus Matuna. So I kind of see why and kind of understand why Otello Hunter uh, was so disappointed. But at the same time, there were also good calls and it seemed like that Bayern just lost their minds uh, throughout the game. And that kind of mix uh, strange uh, calls. Sometimes, you know, when you got really bad call, uh, the next few calls, you really believe that they were wrong calls, even though they were right ones. So maybe it's, it's part of referees controlling uh, the game. But you have to admit that uh, Monaco started the game really well. And the way they uh, were playing in the offense, they just set the tone. And the refs, they maybe did their part uh, just uh, later uh, in the game. So you cannot uh, take away that win from Monaco. But when it comes from Otello Hunter, a very experienced player who has seen a lot. It's rare to hear things like that. So you can believe that yeah. not everything was right in this game. Yeah, but when it's a 23-point advantage, you can also say that Monaco outplayed them. And uh, everybody on this Monaco team should be happy with their contributions on offense in this game. Mike James, Dwayne Bacon, Daniel Andrzejczyk, everybody had their chance to score, everybody had their runs, and you can see that some of these guys had 16 points, 18 points, even Leo Westerman was uh, scoring. Yeah, he returned after his injury and he made first two three-pointers and we have seven Monaco players with uh, 10 or more player index uh, rating, over 10. So 111 in total as a wow. team. Wow, against number. 63. Yeah. That's a huge difference. Uh, by the way, uh, one more thing about uh, Dusko Ivanovic and his era. We were kind of killing him for two weeks. past few weeks. For two weeks, we were firing Dusko Ivanovic, let's be honest. Yeah, but we were right. This team needed a radical change. But I'm not sure if that change is really that radical when Nevin Spahia is taking over the team. I was saying uh, last week when I said that Dusko Ivanovic should be replaced... My idea was that they need a soft coach, someone the Pablo or at least softer coach. Softer coach. It cannot get worse than Pablo having Dusko Ivanovic. Yeah, 
because with these players, maybe some positive coaching could be good on them. There is talent in the, in this team. We we've discussed this. Evans Pachia, kind of similar to Dusko Ivanovic. You know his methods. You know he's very strict. Um, you know that recently didn't work out for him in Maccabi. I don't know if he changed his mentality or mindset or, or coaching methods. I'm not really sure about that. He had some years in the NBA as an assistant coach. Sometimes experience in the NBA changes you. It happens. Uh, but yeah, as we said, Basconia, they have a very limited uh, uh, list of co- potential head coaches. It's only those who worked with them in the past. <laughs> so Nevin Spaki in the past, as I remember, he had a Bos- Tau Keramika team with Taletovic, Frederick mm-hmm. House. And they made the final four. They made the four. final four. They were good. But it was 13 years ago. Yeah. After that, we didn't see Spahi that successful. But yeah, Kehereta has a fetish on strict coaches. Rasovic, Pedro Martinez, <laughs> Spahi, Dushko. However, like from the, the army. However, the coaching change was inevitable. Mm. Because this Barcelona game... Players were sabotaging that na- game. It was a nail to the coffin. The, the players were putting no effort, and and you could see they they've lost trust in their leader, and they don't want to play anymore for this coach, for this system, that five on one fast <laughs> break. <laughs> I didn't see nothing like that. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and after this game ended, we were uh, broadcasting with my colleague, Jonas Lakshas, and I just said to him. Can they still trust Dushkovan? Is it possible after this, what we've witnessed, to still trust your coach? And we didn't want to be too harsh on live television, mm. but we, we agreed that no. I mean, th- there's no way out of this. The only way is to change the coach, which they did. But I wasn't expecting that they will announce Nevens Pachy. <laughs> yeah, good luck uh, for Basconia, guys. One last thing. Anadolu Efes winning against Alba Berlin 90-63. Is that good enough to get Ataman's impression from you? Because you mentioned that after no, one no, great no. game or big win, we might get something from you. But I mean, I was talking, <laughs> they have to beat some of these elite teams. But, okay. but the difference, 90-63. Okay. <laughs> okay. I didn't expect that. Efes is back. Everybody in your league, beware. We are back. We're the champions. Misic. Once again, play like MVP. Very good. My point guard. Now we're going to dominate. Everybody be prepared. Anadolu FS is back. I am Ergin Ataman. It's great to see FS and you coach Ataman back. But this double game week will be really hard. Olympiakos yep. at home. Okay, then Monaco at home too. At least they're going to have a home court advantage. But finally, Vasa Mitic played the way he's supposed to be playing. Uh, Maybe these uh, minor injuries were really annoying for him uh, in the beginning of the season. In this game in Berlin, you saw the real Vasamitsic. Very relaxed. He knows he's the best player on the court. He knows what to do with the ball in his hands. Confident shooting from free. Making his great uh, trademark passes. Nine assists. They were feeding Tibor Plyce as well in this game. And Krunoslav Simon once again. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's ever going to get old. He put Elijah Brand <laughs> on the bench. Brand even didn't play f- only a few minutes. He spent only a few minutes on the court just because Simon was irreplaceable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that this double game week maybe will provide some more answers because, uh, well, let's be fair, Alba Berlin is an interesting team, but 
in terms of quality, Anadol Efes, even not at their best shape, should be winning against Alba Berlin. So, double game week, the most anticipated games uh, which you have. Barcelona at CSKA, November 17th, yeah, that's for sure. Definitely, yeah. I'm always excited excited to see Tudis versus Charas, and of course, both of these teams. Uh, Barcelona suffered their first loss in the Spanish Liga Endesa against Valencia, so they are not... They're still not very consistent. They're mm. still not at the level Sharas expects them to be. And uh, CSK maybe after winning against Maccabi and having their players returning on the court, they feel better right now. The players are returning, so this should be a great, great game of basketball. Also, I would say Maccabi Monaco mm-hmm. because of the American yeah. basketball. A lot of. Talented players who love to play one-on-one. Mike James against Wilbekin, Bacon against Nunnally. Derrick Williams, as, as usual, this should be a good... If I had to recommend one single game for my American friend who mm-hmm. likes NBA basketball but doesn't know much about EuroLeague basketball, I would say just watch Maccabi Monaco and you will not feel the difference. Would you recommend Panthnaikos and Jargres game for your friend or you would recommend it for your enemy? <laughs> <laughs> From a fiercest enemy, I would say <laughs> this is the game to watch this week on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, honestly, Asvel, Real Madrid. Yeah. Debussele and c- coming back to, to, to Villabon. Asvel will host both Real and Barcelona. So it's going to be an exciting game. And I can see Asvel winning one of these two games. The way they play, the way how they... Um, the quality of the game they show on the court, I really think that they might get uh, at least one victory. Mm, Actually, a lot of good games. I mean, Olympiakos, FS, Olympiakos, Maccabi, Zenit, uh, Milan, yeah. FS, Monaco. Week, in a double game week, you will always find something to watch. You just need yeah. some time to watch all these great games. For the end, uh, the last few uh, um, things from our fan mail, which is comments uh, YouTube. under a YouTube uh, <laughs> video. <laughs> Uh, we already it's had very fancy <laughs> calling it fan mail as if I know. we have fans who are sending us. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, but it sounds better. We actually didn't have our zero and hero of the week, but I yeah. have to say that I forgot ah, it. Let's let's skip it. This time. Yeah, let's yeah. let's keep it. Uh, let's skip it this time. So Dushko Ivanovich is my hero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Povelas Asijevicius. Uh, finally, someone expressed their opinion about the lack of sport principle in European basketball. Thanks, Ritas. Fully agree that quality in the EuroLeague is good, but when you know that you can lose and nothing will happen, the same in national championships, then it's not good. Imagine that the last team in EuroLeague's regular season is 100% out for next year. Jalgiris mood, actions etc. would be completely different and last 25 games would yeah. would not be just for playing. I agree. Promotion and relegation is like the engine of football. It's what makes these survivor games exciting when you're battling to stay in the league. Because if you drop out financially, you lose a lot of money, there's a lot of pressure to stay, to not be in the last place. And this is what makes... Football exciting. There's no working promotion relegation system in in European basketball, especially if we talk about these separated leagues like EuroLeague is or EuroCup, where you just get licenses. 
promotion relegation maybe works in Spain. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Probably does. More or less. Yeah. But then you you face the issue that some clubs... The reality of European ...don't basketball. have the budget, don't have the arena, and just do not meet the requirements. It's, it's hard to actually have a working proper system based on merit in, in European basketball. But what we have right now is not good. I don't think it's it, it, it's good for the game. It, it's good for these clubs that belong uh, with the elite, but it's not good for the game itself, I would say. Not good for the fan, for the common fan who supports his local team. You're thinking then, why? What, what's the purpose of this? What's the point of me supporting my, my hometown team if they cannot go anywhere? They win or lose, they cannot go anywhere. They're just stuck where they are. So, yeah, it's... It's a good comment. In an ideal world, I would like to see last two teams relegated, for example, to the EuroCup, and the finalists of the EuroCup uh, getting promoted to the EuroLeague. Then I would I would love to have 12 teams involved in the playoff picture, just as we d- discussed before. Four teams making it straight to the quarterfinals. Uh, uh, teams from the places 5th yeah. to 12th uh, making the 8th uh, finals and it actually leaves how many? 4 teams out let's say uh, 4 teams between teams relegated and making the in the playoffs so it, it involves more teams in, in a situation where they must win yeah. and they are fighting for something so that's a good number to have uh, all these 4 teams Do you remember at some point you really had this like an exper- experiment uh, with a qualifying tournament. Yeah. I, I remember... Uh, Rita, Rita's, Rita's once they won it and they lost and it. And they played against Galatasaray with, with Songaila and, and uh-huh. Galatasaray won it. Yeah, in Vilnius. Yeah. It, uh, it was kind of exciting because they were fighting for a spot in the EuroLeague and the game mattered a lot. Mm-hmm. It, it was in September, I believe, still in like the... Yeah, middle of September. Mode, but it already matters. Yeah. Uh, I'm not suggesting that EuroLeague should start mm-hmm. doing these qualifying tournaments again, but uh, the point is that any game of sports is more exciting when it matters, when it changes something, when it changes the future of the club. They can go up, they can go down. Then Unless it's the NBA with an ideal model, model yeah, well for the business. Yeah, is, is a North American basketball league. They have their own system, they, their own rules. It's, it's completely different. And then in the NBA, the, the idea is that there are 30 clubs. doesn't matter whether it's a small market club or a big market club. You have a fair chance to be the best with, with good strategy and smart management. If you're big market, you can go for the free agents. If you're small market... The NBA draft is there. You can find some talent. You can do good trades. The Toronto Raptors showed an example to everybody. The Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis. And NBA is different. It's, it's it's impossible to compare. European basketball is just a budget league because it's, 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 it works on free agent system, free agent market. You have more money, you sign better players. You have less money, sign not so good players. I agree. Ovidius Grigolaitis, Rites and Donatas, maybe Paulus Motunas is already the CEO of EuroLeague in his mind. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, know, know. I, I don't want to speculate, <laughs> but maybe that might be, I'm not saying an issue, but another scenario for him, especially right now, you can imagine that it's tough to run a team 
during the pandemic. They're losing a lot of money uh, because of that. They're on a bad period. Maybe they don't know how to rebuild after Shara era. So the only thing is that uh, even though for Matunas would be logical to step down, let's say, and to start something new with this EuroLeague project, but at the same time, we know how much he loves this team, how connected he is with this team. So at the same time, it would be logical, but at the same time, probably very difficult to imagine uh, Paulus and Jalgris uh, going separate ways. But we'll see. We will know answers uh, pretty soon. And if you remember, uh, we talked about legendary Aurelius Zhukauskas last uh, podcast. Nick Van R has a reminder that Argiris Kampuris also worked in construction. The, one of the legendary Olympiakos players. So this is an idea for all the basketball scouts all around the world. Yeah, just if you there are so many constructions yeah, all over the, the world. Construction set. See who's working there. Look for the tall guy. If he can handle bricks, <laughs> <laughs> he'll be able to with one hand. With one hand. <laughs> yes. Just measure his wingspan. Yeah. Look how he works with constructions. I'm not an expert. I don't know what tools they're yeah. they're, they're dealing with. If they with. don't need stairs to get to this, you know, second floor or to reach the second floor, that means that. That guy has yeah. potential. If he's good at drilling, for example, <laughs> <laughs> he might be good at, I don't know, protecting the paint. Makes no sense. Or shooting. Yeah. I don't know. So makes Probably no, makes, no, makes sense. no sense. No, no. But yeah, because scouts are kind of complaining that, you know, it's very hard to find some gems, new gems on basketball co courts all over the world because you, you can track all of them. Apparently, they're all in construction business. Yes. That's a good point. So because definitely working construction, I mean, it builds your stamina. You're physically your fit your for yeah. everything because usually when you we're talk about amateur level, you can see a lot of, uh, let's say, builders doing well on yeah. basketball court. Does that make mm. sense? That's a good point, Ritis. But do, do you think that maybe in this case... I mean, teams made of construction workers should be winning the amateur leagues. Why they're not winning? Why they're not playing? Because I think the problem is that they have chemistry issues. Because usually you can hear a lot of... Okay, you can hear them cursing a lot, but at the same time, if the chemistry is good, they're drinking too much. At least Damn. it's like that in Lithuania. So I don't know. But you definitely, you, you don't need to go to Africa right now. You know, all these NBA Africa projects and stuff like that. No. NBA constructions in Europe? What what you, what are you suggesting? Should Adam know. Silver open some, I don't know, training facilities for construction workers in Lithuania? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good, that's a good Maybe question. Maybe we should stop right here. <laughs> Probably that's about time to finish our podcast. Yeah. Ir tiesiškiausias, Donatas Rūnas, thanks all for watching us.